When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast and much cited United, where we look back at some of the most significant games in the club's history. By doing so, we find stories we weren't expecting to, discuss players we thought we'd forgotten, and maybe, just maybe, put a smile on your face during these strange times. It's April 10th and on this day in 2007, Sir Alex Ferguson's young Manchester United side achieved a win of such great proportions that it was deemed a feat that is without precedent and quite possibly beyond repetition. It was the first time that United had hosted AS Roma and the tie as a whole was marred by significant trouble between fans in both Manchester and Rome. So how did we get there and what happened next? Well, I'm delighted to say you'll hear from legendary commentator Clive Tilsley who has delivered so many iconic lines in Manchester United's history. He was at Old Trafford on that night commentating for ITV and you'll hear clips not just from his commentary but also from his recent interview with the Manchester United weekly podcast. United headed to Rome first. As Paul Scholes was sent off for two bookings in the first half, Rodrigo Tadai gave Roma the lead, Wayne Rooney equalised in the 60th minute, but Mirko Vucinic came off the bench to provide the Romans with a much-needed winner. United headed home with some small hope. The away goal had done them some good. But nevertheless, this next line remained true. Five times United have trailed in Europe going into a second leg. Five times United have failed to get through. Can they do it tonight? I think you have to put it in the context of the fact that Manchester United hadn't reached um, a Champions League semi-final for a little while. I think it's five years. They were trailing from the first leg against uh, a Roma team with Daniele De Rossi and Francesco Totti and without Paul Scholes, who'd been sent off in that first game in in Rome, sent off about half an hour in, as I recall, typically um, two rash yellow card challenges in the space of a few minutes. And so Scolsi was missing. I remember driving up with a little bit of trepidation. Obviously, it was to our benefit as um, the the sole broadcasters of Champions League back then for the English teams to progress. I think Oli Solskjaer had actually come back into the team for the first leg after injury. Alan Smith had been injured and was rather surprisingly recalled for this game. And while um, you know Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo were in their pomp, um, it, uh, it it did represent um, an awkward assignment for Manchester United. It was seen exactly as such. United were predicted to scrape through, in part thanks to the away goal against a good Roma side. But eleven minutes in, with Roma having already had a couple of shots on goal, Carrick opened the score. 
take it in his stride. And Manchester United hit the front. Superbly taken goal by Michael Carrick inside of 11 minutes. And the fuse has been well and truly lit. 1-0 will... Any nerves were, uh, were settled by those uh, three relatively early goals and... Um, the first of them from Michael Carrick was superbly taken. The first one, he almost got stuck under his feet a little bit. It it didn't seem the right option as he tried to open his body up and out and, and, and fashion a shot because the ball was in front of him rather than to the side of him. But he managed to create just enough angle for himself to, to make a, a really good contact uh, with the ball and, and scored. Not only an early goal, but an uplifting goal and the, the, the nature of it. And Manchester United did score some very good goals on the night. It was Carrick's first goal in European competition for United. He'd stepped into the boots of Roy Keane and the number 16, despite being quite far from a direct replacement for United's former captain. This was the moment where he arrived. Yeah, I, I mean, we almost feel as if Michael Carrick's been at Old Trafford all his career. And of course, he hasn't far from it. That was his first season. And as you say, he was uh, stepping into some very big shoes and very different shoes from his own. Six minutes later, Alan Smith scored perhaps the best goal of the night, at least from a team perspective. A terrific pass from Carrick to Ainsley. And now Giggs. Oh, he's found a way through. Alan Smith, 2-0! The forgotten man is back! And Manchester United are two up in no time at all. Wonderful, wonderful build-up. Alan Smith hadn't scored for ages and ages. Uh, he was, you know, desperately needed a goal. Admittedly, he'd had uh, injury problems, but it was a big night for him. Uh, recall to the side, and um, I think the ball just set up so invitingly uh, for him. Uh, he had no option really other than to try to, to volley the ball with some control on his favoured foot, as he did. And then Ryan Giggs, who was instrumental in three or four of the goals on the night, set up Wayne to score a, a third goal. And um, say Manchester United were 3-0 up on the night inside of 20 minutes. Giggs. Rooney and Ronaldo wait in the centre. Rooney! Magical Manchester United! And the place was rocking. The performance had momentum. And, um, you know, any question marks there were against individuals were being ticked off really one by one. You say it was rocking. It was, it was my first game at Old Trafford as, I think, a six or seven-year-old. And I remember being picked up by a man who I think was kicked out at halftime for being far too drunk. But it, it was a, a, an incredible first game to be at. And I remember just before halftime, um, my dad taking us down into the concourse just as Ronaldo's first of the evening went in and we were just about still on the <laughs> stairs to, to see it go in. I don't, I don't want to keep throwing your own bits of commentary at you, but I remember watching the highlights the other day and you said the, the treble word is back on the menu. The treble word is back on the menu. Unmistakably Manchester United. Only they can do that. And it had been eight years since that night at the new Camp and, and as you said earlier, United hadn't really 
done anything in Europe since apart from one semi-final and, and you personally had been in Istanbul witnessed other great moments but few of them involving United and I guess this was a by half time this was already a sudden reminder of what a great European team Manchester United could be yeah and they had the FA Cup semi-final the following weekend so um, it is that time of the year when so-called treble bids um, can fade and die in the space of a few days you can be going for th- three trophies one weekend going for one trophy at the end of the the following weekend um, and um, you know from Manchester United's point of view fortunately they were still still on course for all three um, when they came out of uh, out of of that week, uh, interesting what you say about um, your personal experience. I, I my fifteen year old son came with me that night. It was uh, well, he was just coming up to his fifteenth birthday. Um, he's a Liverpool fan, by the way. Um, but uh, I mean, obviously, it was a special night for him to see a. It's the first time he'd been to the European game at Old Trafford, and I took him up with me. And he sat through the game with a couple of friends. Um, but I was a little disturbed, um, not by the, the guy that picked you up, but there was a little bit of edge around the game. There had been some crowd trouble in Rome, and um, which was not unusual really for English teams going to the Italian capital. And um, there were one, one. I remember there were one or two skirmishes reported outside Old Trafford uh, before the match. So, you know, there was definite feeling between the two clubs, which was intensified over the course of the. Uh, the following year, and they met again and again. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think he just signed a new contract with the club, and um, it, it was difficult to envisage him ever playing for anybody else. Um, the goal that you nearly missed just before half-time was a, a solo effort, um, almost typical of him, almost routine, really, the way he just took on a defender got half a yard, scored with a low shot, too much power for the goalkeeper. Running at Kivu, beating Kivu, beating the goalkeeper, 4-0! All his own work! Memorable individual goal from Cristiano Ronaldo to cap a and then early in the second half, down at the Stratford end, he turned in. He had another gigs cross, and um, it was—I mean, it was beyond Roma at half time. You felt, um, but um, scoring, picking up where they'd left off at the start of the first half, at the start of the second, at the end of the first half, at the start of the second, um, t- took much of the, the jeopardy out of the game. But um, it just meant that Manchester United fans could could start to really enjoy the. The last um, half hour, I had David Pleat alongside me. Funny enough, I was only speaking to him a couple of days ago. He's one of the people that I've sort of kept in touch with during the uh, during the crisis, and his um, his enthusiasm for the game is is undim. Giggs, terrific cross, Smith is there. It's Ronaldo. Manchester United five, Roma nil. They start the second half as they ended the first. They are rampant. Gigs again. Gigs again. What a fantastic ball. And I think probably the other thing I remember is that, that I think that's one of the great Manchester United shirts. It, it, it's very um, evocative of the late 50s, the, the V-neck with, the, with the, the, you know, the very significant sort of white trim. There was something about that night. It just 
they just looked good. <laughs> Everything about them looked good. As Clive says, Ronaldo scored the fifth soon after half time, the 49th minute at that point. And it's one of the, the few really vivid memories I have of that night since I was only six. I remember singing, We Want Six in the Stretford End. It was soon, We Want Seven, after Michael Carrick dispatched his second and United's sixth of the evening. And it was another beauty. This time he got the ball out of his feet and curled it in with technique just as brilliant as the first. You'll hear in the commentary now, we've reached the point where it's a procession. The shock had dissipated and the recognition of brilliance and excellence triumphed. Opening doors all over the place again there. Carrick with a shot. Oh, another majestic goal. Michael Carrick makes it six for Manchester United. Everyone a beauty. Record-breaking night. At this point, according to a, a Cristiano Ronaldo interview from a couple of years ago, the Roma players begged United to stop. Has just arrived to join the party. Alan Smith has lobbed the goalkeeper and just lobbed his crossbar too. Trying to find new ways to score. It's the only way they can beat each other anymore. Now Solskjaer. Oh, he's lobbed the goalkeeper. How could a goal would that have been? Well, they're just moving the ball so well. They did get one back and it was a fantastic strike from Daniele De Rossi. A volley from a whipped cross as he faced away from the goal almost. De Rossi, oh that's a really good goal. My only memory of that is, is not really knowing if it was a goal, if it had gone past the post or if it had been disallowed for some reason. I'm not entirely sure I would have known what offside was at that point, but I remember the confusion and the strange disappointment that only a six-year-old could have at conceding one when we were so far in front. But then the seventh came to even things out again. Patrice Evra had come off the bench replacing John O'Shea at right back, oddly enough, and Evra cut in from the right, shot with his left, and a small deflection took it past Doni to make it United's second biggest European victory ever. Like Carrick and Ronaldo, it was Evra's first goal in Europe. Now Patrice Evra... Deflected, but Evra won't care. His first ever goal in Europe just adds to the humiliation for Roma and adds to the tally that Manchester United. Cracky, Patrice Evra scored. So, you know, you know, you don't get seven goals and Patrice Evra scoring every time you go to a game. There was a, you know, there was an element of a spectacle about it. We knew that. You know, it would have been watched by a lot of people, and that's that's what we're in the business for, really, to to bring to bring those those matches to um, to people's homes and now to their tablets. Um, that's you know, that's that's what we do. As the match concluded, the country's journalists had had plenty of time to dissect it. Daniel Taylor described it for the Guardian as a feat that is without precedent and quite possibly beyond repetition. For the same newspaper, Kevin McCarroll wrote, No one believed it possible to treat an Italian club quite like this. 13 years on, we're still remembering it like that. A few of you sent in your personal memories of the day, because that is, after all, what makes a match even more special is the personal moments. And Sam tweeted in to say that it was his last game at Old Trafford with his dad in the Stretford End. They now live in different parts of the world. His dad had £50 on Carrick to score the first goal. A magical night and still have the newspaper from the next day. Tom said, I had a hectic day touring universities, raced back up the M6 with my dad and made it into our seats five minutes before kickoff. A quality night with some of the loudest celebrations I've ever seen at a night game. Rooney's counter-attacking goal was unreal. 
Cosy gave us some useful context for the game from a personal and a wider perspective, reminding us that United had been stuck behind a dominant Chelsea for a few years. Alan Smith was not the player we thought he was when we bought him, and my United friends didn't like Fletcher at the time. We thought he was Fergie's love child. But this game was the one that started a truly great team. I hadn't been to Old Trafford for a year as I was at uni. The morning of the game, I had a massive argument with my girlfriend, ending in us splitting up. I missed a big deadline for some uni work as a result. His solution? Go to the Irish social club I worked at. I actually forgot the game was on. My head was so far up my arse. So I'm sat in the club with pint and a whiskey chaser. Yes, it was that bad. Only two regulars, me and my boss. Smith was an animal. He was everywhere. Carrick controlled the Rossi like he was playing against a 10-year-old. Rooney was. Well, Rooney, Ronaldo and Giggs cruised past Roma's fullbacks every time. But Fletcher and Carrick really did run the show that night. We now knew we had a midfield that could dominate a good team without Paul Scholes playing. I was five pints and two whiskies deep by half-time. It's so interesting to hear Clive Tilsey's thoughts on the games. One of the most famous United European nights it's, it, I mean, ever really, especially in the Ferguson era. I think one thing that really stood out to me was how important it is to understand the context of this game. You know, it, it's easy to look back on it now and, and think that this United team, which turned into arguably the greatest United team of all time and, and certainly one of the top sort of two or three of all time, it's easy to forget that there was never a certainty. And especially at this point, it had been quite a long time since... United had had a, a really famous European night. We hadn't done much in Europe since we'd won the treble. Hadn't had a semi-final in, in, in five years, as, as Clive Tilsley said. And I think it really was this night that showed this team coming of age. And it's, I think it was even more poignant that, as you said at the end in, in that clip, Harry, that it wasn't Paul Scholes who was playing that night. It was Carrick and Fletcher. It was the sort of younger, newer generation of, of players that were sort of taking on the mantle. And I think that's what made this Ferguson team so great in this this sort of era, this sort of four or five year period of dominance that we had in, in that it was the sort of meshing of of the old and the new. We still had the old guard of Skulls, of Giggs, of Ferdinand, of Wes Brown, you know, still there from, well, in the case of Brown, Skulls and Giggs, especially from from 99. And we had Ollie still there, you know, obviously the the most famous goal that he scored in 99, yeah. still, still playing in this game against Roma. And yet, we also had this new generation of players. They weren't coming through. They were fully establishing themselves now. The likes of Rooney, Ronaldo, Evra, Carrick, Fletcher. You know, it was this meshing yeah. of old and the new, which I think makes that night against Roma even more special. Well, I think it's... It, there's so many things that, obviously, we were we were young enough that we knew what was going on, or old enough that we knew what was going on, but too young to appreciate some of the more nuanced aspects of this game and even just the fact that Wayne Rooney was 22 at this point Cristiano Ronaldo was 22 at this point Carrick was 25 um all these things that that you you kind of forget that 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 you don't think about when you when you remember United 7 Roma 1 the fact that we hadn't been to a semi-final since um 2001 or 2 the fact that nothing had really happened but also the fact that it was only eight years since 99 in the treble which at the time would have seemed like a lot because we'd done nothing in Europe but on the grand scheme of things isn't isn't very much at all and I think the big thing for me was that this young team with 22 year olds as the the main force attacking force within it was close to a treble and that 
they they did reach the FA Cup final, beaten by Chelsea in the the first FA Cup final at the New Wembley when Drogba scored. Yeah, I was there at that game as well. <laughs> a painful one. Um, my my mum yeah. and dad went to that one, but I didn't go. Um, we didn't have enough tickets. But so they reached an FA Cup final. They reached a, a Champions League semi final, and they won the Premier League. And and yet that um, Clive Tilsley mentioned the kit. I think of that kit. I think of that team, and I just think they were. My my first instinct is, ah, oh, that was the team just before greatness, and really, they were very close to achieving something um, almost unprecedented. Um, in fact, it, it had been done by Manchester United once before, but they were very close to achieving something incredible a year before they did the double. Yeah, it's easy to forget. And I actually, I think I had forgotten until Clive Tilsey mentioned it. There, that you forget that this team was that close to to the treble, and that. Oh, you know, we obviously didn't appreciate it now, but this game really was, for me, looking back, the moment when this team grew up and it became a fully great team. Before, before this, we'd had some success. You know, you could see that this was a, a team on the rise. We'd recently signed Van Saar. You know, Evra was really cementing his place at left back. Rooney and Ronaldo were continuing to improve. But it's it's difficult to tell at the time those those games that really become symbolically really important and for me this game it has only become more important as the time has moved on because it was the moment I think when you realised that this wasn't just a good team that could go far in Europe and and win a league title this was a team that could on any given night basically take almost any team in Europe to pieces and I think that that was what made this team so special is that you know defensively we were very solid we had a good midfield but going forward some of the stuff that we played it was actually, it was genuinely unplayable and probably some of the best, yeah. if not the best football that Old Trafford has ever seen. Well, there's, there's that lovely line um, in Clive Tilsley's commentary that only Manchester United can do this. And it was kind of yeah. suddenly United had returned because I think, I think it's easy to forget and particularly now that he's retired, Alex Ferguson's position as, as Manchester United manager in the early 2000s, once he, he, we got the, the three league titles in a row, including the, the treble and, and the European Cup. And then Arsenal overtook United and Chelsea overtook United. And there was this kind of, and Fergie almost retired in 2001. And there was, yeah. well, are United ever going to w- win something or, or do something incredible under Sir Alex Ferguson again? And this was this was it. It was the moment where you thought, well, yeah, um, there there is another great team coming. You'd had 1994, 1999, and now 2007 to, to 2009. And it's, it's such a, it's such a ridiculous run. And the team that played, it, it also reminds you of, of the fringe players at Manchester United in, in that era. Smith, Ainsley, O'Shea, Brown, who, who you think of as fringe players, but John O'Shea was starting every important game for Manchester United. West Brown was, was starting. Brown every, at that point because of Gary yeah, injuries. Exactly. And, and Neville played pretty a, a pretty small role in the 2008 win eventually yeah and it was it was always brown and, and john o'shea and, and darren fletcher who um missed out on the final very very cruelly but yeah there, there's there's so much that you forget and it's nice to to properly look in detail at, at that era again yeah i, I, I think it, it's it's worth as you said pointing out that the success that we had in in the sort of late 2000s wasn't ever a guarantee i I can remember growing up as a as a you know when I was pretty young, I had I think it was the o one o two United season review on video at that point. Yeah. Um, it may have been o two o two. It was the season where we played Deportivo in the in the Champions League. Yeah, and I, I remember watching it. That and all, 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 
Yeah, yeah. I remember in fact, always no. watching it and just... Sorry, it, it, Deportivo was exactly the same as um, as Roma, wasn't it? Because we played them, we played them in the group stages of the 2001-02 season. Then in the knockout, the quarterfinals of the 2002 season, when United had did get to the semis, and then again in the um, group stages of the 2002-03 yeah, yeah, yeah. season. Let me. I I can't yeah. remember. I think it was in the group stage when uh, when I had it. So it must have been 0102 that the the year that I had. But the, the, anyway, the point is. I, I can remember watching it and feeling always a little bit of a twinge of sadness whenever I watched it because you what you saw that you saw this team that was it was good but it wasn't great and there definitely was a, a period especially as sort of Wenger's dominant Arsenal team you know really morphed into that incredible Invincibles team and the Mourinho's Chelsea became the dominant force for a few years where you did sort of start to wonder if United was a bit of a fallen giant and I think. It really is this team, and especially I think the signings of Rooney and Ronaldo, that completely changed the course of sort of the latter years of Sir Alex Ferguson's time as, as Manchester United manager. And I think this this game against Roma was, like I said, the, the, the moment when I think Rooney and Ronaldo fully became the stars of Manchester United, and this team became a great team that would eventually go on to become, you know, Champions League winners a year later. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you. Um... We shouldn't talk for that much longer, but Cristiano Ronaldo, um, this was, I think this was probably the best time to watch him. Not as not as in, in terms of his most efficient time, because obviously that was at, at Real Madrid when, when he became this, this goal-scoring machine. But as a, as a football fan looking for the, the entertainment, this version of Ronaldo, yeah. especially because it, I think it also came before the the fallout of 2008 and 2009 because after we won the Champions League and and even in that season there was a lot about Ronaldo's well a future but also his 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 showboating his his character off the pitch was starting his his brand was starting to build in in a way that detracts yeah. from the the kind of innocent brilliance of what he was doing on the pitch before that and I, I watched I watched the whole Roma game back and you can watch it on a site called Footballia. I'll tweet it out at some point. Um and it's he was just so good to watch. And the the way that the 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 balance he had and the way that how agile he was um and the way that he 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 used his skills more than he did once he became the the striking poacher machine at Real Madrid. He was so good to watch, equal equal to Messi, equal to anyone at that time, to Kaka and whoever else. And there was another game I watched when he was playing for United against Fulham. I think it was 2004 or 2005 season in that uh, the the Vodafone home kit with the with the black trim on it. Yeah. And he was just jinking past people, doing whatever he wanted, doing eight step overs and then beating a man, and and that was really satisfying. And if you if you haven't done that during this um, strange time, I would I would thoroughly recommend going onto YouTube or or Twitter and just looking up Cristiano Ronaldo. Find any game from 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, and maybe this Roma game, and watch it and just enjoy how good he was to watch. I, I think you're right in that. When he he went to Madrid and even his last couple of seasons at United, I think he became so obsessed with goal scoring records and, and you know became this incredible goal scoring machine. He lost a little bit of that yeah. sort of childlike. I, I don't know if it's innocence or I think it was more just enthusiasm and gen, genuine love of just messing about almost. And you can see at the end of the Roma game, yeah, like you, I went back and watched it and 
you can see towards the end of the Rome game, he's just absolutely toying with defenders on on the edge of the Roma box where yeah. he, he's doing about 18 stepovers and then cuts inside and he ends up scuffing the shot. But anytime he, he picked up the ball, he, he you, you never quite knew what he was going to do. And he was, what I love about watching Ronaldo in those sort of earlier years is that he was so much more involved in, in play than he is now and that he was at Real Madrid, you know, and, and his game has evolved. I think that's to his credit, how much his game has changed yeah. and he's managed to sustain this scoring run he, despite his age at this point. But I, just, I still love watching those early Ronaldo years because he was—he wasn't just a goal scorer. He was a playmaker. He was instrumental in almost every attack that we had. It wasn't just his his goal scoring. It was his distribution, his vision, his partnership with the likes of Rooney, Giggs around him. You know, it was a, a joy to watch at times. And that, I mean, that Roma game—if you go back and watch it, I, I lost count of the amount of shots that he had. But it was at least seven or yeah. eight during the game, and, and you know, a lot of them were scuffed. And that's kind of what Ronaldo was at the start of his career. He was very raw. And it didn't all kind of come together for him until this sort of 07, 08, and then, uh, sorry, yeah. 06, 07, 07, 08, well, 08, 09 sort of seasons at United. And but, obviously we're looking back with the rose-tinted glasses here because at, at the time, in the same way that it, it can be incredibly frustrating when the current players, not the same as Martial, not the same as, as um, Ronaldo, but the, the young players of today, of today's United team, Greenwood, Rashford, James, Martial, all of these players, when when they do things too many times, it's frustrating. And at the, at the time, I remember, not myself, because I, I was too young to be frustrated by Cristiano Ronaldo, but I remember people being annoyed by how much he shot, how much he didn't pass to Rooney. But it, as you say, it was, it was the unpolished Ronaldo. And I think for our generation of United fans, that version of Ronaldo was what made us fall in love with both football and Manchester United. Oh yeah, but you're, you're so right about the rose-tinted glasses. I remember everyone else in my family hated Ronaldo the first few <laughs> years that he, that he was at United. And I don't think they were alone because, you know, it was obvious he was a special talent, but no one could, I think, quite foresee what he was to become. And he was frustrating at times. You know, as, as you said, at, at that point, we were, we were young enough that I think we just enjoyed watching this, this skill and, you know, players like him, Ronaldinho at the time were just a joy to watch for us. And we'd spend hours in the school playground trying to recreate all of his stepovers. But for, yeah. for older fans, I think it was incredibly frustrating watching this this young player come in with a lot of sort of no end product. And that was a lot of his game. It was this incredible talent that he then managed to sort of channel with a lot of nurturing from from Ferguson and, and the coaches like Mike Phelan into becoming the player that he eventually yeah, became. Yeah, I've just got up his... Um... His, his goal scoring stats over, over the seasons at United and it's kind of what we were saying is that the more goals he scored the less well the less raw he was of course but the, the less the less entertaining he was to watch in a way yeah he scored 12 in the 2005-06 season and that was his highest total so far and then jumped to 23 in 2006-07 and then suddenly to 42 in that incredible 2007-2008 season yeah. um, we should finish up in a second it's, it's been nice to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo though yeah yeah it is it's always nice it's, it's nice as well to talk about him without sort of mentioning and worrying about what happened afterwards you know because I think at times yeah we get so caught up in in the way he left and, and don't get me wrong it doesn't it's not to say we should ever forget it but at times I think it does diminish a little bit and makes us forget just how much of a joy he was to have at United for those I remember well one of the things quite Clive Tilsley said was at at this point at the 7-1 against Roma it, it seems like Cristiano Ronaldo was always going to be a Manchester United player 
yeah. and that we're we're going to do an episode on on a theme like this of hypotheticals kind of the the what if questions what if cristiano ronaldo had stayed at manchester united what if what if ronnie onsen or Henningberg had scored the winner in the in the 1999 Champions League final, would Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be Manchester United manager today? The, those kind of questions. So that's what you can look forward to from the Manchester United weekly podcast. Um, up next on the much-cited United series is a 15-minute coming tomorrow, the, the day after this one's released, Saturday, April 11th, looking back at Manchester United's 3-1 defeat at the Bernabeu in 1957. The Busby Babes went to Spain in the European Cup semi-final. Tommy Taylor scored one goal, but Real Madrid were just too good. We talk about um, that game in particular, but the whole of that season where the Busby Babes came close to winning the European Cup, Tommy Taylor and, and the rest of the team. Bobby Charlton was just baking through and we talked to Roy Kavanagh, uh, an author, a United fan from birth who grew up in Salford, and remembers uh, those games. Jack, how are you enjoying the the coronavirus break from football? Oh, it's awful, mate. I think one of the hardest, honestly, one of the hardest things about the situation. You know, I mean, first of all, to all of the all of our listeners, I hope you're all safe and your families are okay. But I think one of the hardest things about this is that there's just no escape from it because any interest that you might have in our case, football and, and especially United, it's just completely gone. You know, yeah. there is no way really you can get away from what's going on. Uh, I mean. The, the only silver lining might be that Liverpool might not get a legitimate Premier League yeah. title out of it, which would be delightful. But yeah. on, a, on a serious note, yeah, it's, it's not fun and it's a, it's a troubling time and I just hope that football can come back as soon as it's safe because I, I miss it terribly. Yeah, I've tried not to mention it too much in, in any part of this podcast because hopefully we can access some kind of a distraction. But we do hope everyone everyone listening is feeling all right. And if you're not, then you've got our best wishes and hopefully... You can feel better within the next few days, but enjoy listening, talking about Manchester United because that's what football basically is. It's a, a nice distraction yeah. to our lives. As I say, plenty more coming out from us. And if there's any, if anyone listening has any ideas for episodes that you want us to do, or you know, topics you want us to talk about, games you want us to to look yeah. back on, please let us know. You know, we've we've got a lot of time on our hands, <laughs> but we want to keep putting out these podcast episodes as frequently yeah. as we can so that we have do have some kind of distraction so do let us know what you want to see what you want to listen to yeah and if anyone just fancies a chat about football or anything then feel free to slide into the dms of uh us on twitter you can find jack on twitter at, at utd tates t-a-i-t and you can find me on twitter at harry robinson 64 and the podcast itself at utd weekly pod that's p-o-d at the end there if you have enjoyed this episode keep listening but also check out united through time a history podcast that i host um that we're doing this much cited united series in kind of a partnership with um slightly more in-depth look at significant figures in manchester united's history kind of hour-long documentaries on those individuals but for now have a great week if you can enjoy the sun if it stays out and do stay at home goodbye Network.